Hi, my name is Kevin McDonald, and I'm declaring my independence. Independence from what? Why, negative thoughts and energy, of course. Chief among them, hate, division, and fear. You see, I know that we're all one, and together we can solve any problem, save our planet and each other. Please, join me as we come together as one and choose a better way to be. So now, let's begin with my independence report. Um, just to tighten things um, that closely more align to what scapegoating again is even now than what it was during the time I wrote it eight years ago. So as things happen, I might revise it. But yeah, definitely uh, October ebook and respectively print was in December. Very nice. Very nice. How does it feel to be a published author? It's surreal. It's like the pinch me moment that I never dreamed of. Um, I, I have a lot to say and uh, I'm, I'm loquacious. I just that word came to me even now. And I think to be able to sort of filter through some of the things that I've gone through in my life dealing with scapegoating, but also being a champion to people that have gone through this kind of abuse. It feels good to finally be able to advocate in a way that it's in pages that can get in the hands of the people. I'm super super excited now when you talk about scapegoating what 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 are what are you talking about really what does it mean to you so so scapegoating is a singling out of someone it's basically sort of if a person can be scapegoated or a, a group of people can be scapegoated or an institution but it's taking all of the dysfunctions from a situation and placing it on one person or an individual, uh, you know, a group, uh, institution, it's placing all the blame because rather than dealing with those issues, one would rather thrust it on someone else. So like in the family structure, it's usually the child that's considered the weakest link, right? One that has like the most uh, needs like attention deficit disorder, or even if it's just even, psychological, like just low self-esteem, that that's the person that's groomed for the, being the target. And it typically is coming from a narcissistic parent. Most importantly, it's coming from a mother, which is terrible because there's this natural womb connection, but then in scapegoating, there's a disconnect. Uh, when you're talking about the marginalization of, of groups, you're talking about, well, we don't have to look any further than what happened in the last election cycle where we had someone uh, that was inhabited in the White House that was marginalizing people of color, specifically Latinos and African-Americans saying, you know, all Latinos were rapists and murders and that Africa was a, I don't like to curse, but an asshole continent in Haiti and going to neighborhoods uh, that were non-minority and saying Mexicans are taking your job, going to black neighborhoods and saying Mexicans are taking your job. So the scapegoating, like trying to use rhetoric in order to, castigate views and things that are not working in society and thrust it in on other people. So it, it's, it, it runs the gamut. Well, you know, it's interesting because, uh, you know, that guy who was sitting in the white house until real recently, and I'm real glad that he's not there anymore. Uh, but he, right. he, 
he caused a lot of people to create a lot of great stuff. It's like my my podcast. The uh, uh, tagline I use is to uh, we're declaring our freedom from hate, division, and fear, which is exactly right. what he uses to uh, um, to separate people and to create his own following. Uh, rather than trying to unite everybody, he used fear and hatred and separation to get his little group of people that that he wanted to have and that's got to end and so i applaud your work and so, so scapegoating you. is you're, you're exactly right rather than taking responsibility for our own actions we tend to uh uh, uh blame somebody else and they become the scapegoat of of our of our dysfunction that is correct absolutely that's so sad and that's so it, sad. it it is because I what I my book says is that um, scapegoating is not only evil, it's sinful. Um, and scapegoating actually started if you go to the book of Leviticus, uh, chapter 16, and it shows how there were twin goats. One was offered as a sacrifice, but then one was offered out as a scapegoat. Literally, the sins of the Hebrews, the Israelites, the sins that they committed, they let that scapegoat go into the wilderness and then officially all of their sins were cleansed and, and everything was brought back to normal. And so something happened from the biblical times to now where families are being cleansed by targeting an individual who has a lifetime now of abuse that will be cyclical because of that one person, that narcissistic parent that used the family dysfunctions as an escape. You know, I, I was just thinking I would be really upset if I was the sheep that had to stay, if the other goat got to go and, and, and I was the one that was going to be sacrificed. It'd be like, well, I, let's trade places. Uh, cause I'd rather right. be exactly <laughs> no one, right. At least it won't be eaten. <laughs> exactly. I don't, I don't want that to happen. So, but I didn't know I had no idea. That's where that term came from. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. That, no, that's what it is. Well, that's awesome. So in the, in the process of, of writing the book and, and, and going, because there's, I know that there's a process that you had to go through to learn all about it and the different aspects of it. And prior to the, uh, uh, the podcast, you said that, that, uh, you keep on adding more because more information comes to you that, uh, about this topic and, and stuff. So tell us a little bit about the, the procedure and the, and what did you do? How did you gather all of this information to write the book? So what I did, I, I, I'm a scholar by, by trade. Um, I love research. And so I had to go to articles. I chiefly, one of the, the main uh, formats, one of the, the magazines that I used was Psychology Today. Um, they're the experts in the field. It's peer reviewed. Uh, and so it's, it's highly vetted. And I looked at social psychologists and their theories on uh, scapegoating. And it was other, you know, research that had been done even before mine so that I could sort of expand upon that. And then I just used a framework from myself being a scapegoat in the workplace, myself being a scapegoat in the social circles, and then being a member of the clergy, uh, counseling people that have gone through it. Now, I didn't use their names because who wants to be sued? Plus, you know, I am, um, you know, part that. of my thing is I, I uh, counsel with anonymity, so I can't 
reveal who is uh, telling me what, but just kind of using that framework and synthesizing it and developing it as, as time went on. And then of course, you know, again, uh, nationally as things evolved, like, you know, and I hate to keep bringing it to politics, but like the insurgency at the Capitol on January 6th, I had to go back, revise my book to add that because that was a clear example. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> well, you better get out there quick because you're going to have to keep revising it because weird stuff. Yeah, is I know. <laughs> right. Exactly. So, you know, it was just, it, it's an organic thing. There's no real structure. It's just like, as I feel a compunction, as things kind of happen, I weigh it out. But what I don't want to do, Kevin, is make it feel like a, a textbook that like, you know, oh, this year, you know, students will be reading this history book. Like, I don't want, I want it to be super conversational. So I'm trying to figure out when is enough enough? When do I terminate the conversation? You know, not in terms of what I'm saying, but in terms of what, you know, the multiple layers that I'm adding, like at some point I have to learn to let it go and let it take on a life of its own. So that's the balance that I'm hanging on right now. Well, the beautiful thing is, is that when, it's, when, when it becomes a bestseller, that means that Ooh. there's a, book, a second book that's coming out. It would be, oh. it would be scapegoating two. <laughs> you know, it would be it would be the the second one to do, and because the the thing is, I I unless we as a culture change dramatically, it's going to continue on this way, yes. and it's and you're going to be able to come up with examples all the time of weird of, right. of people doing silly, stupid stuff, and not understanding that we're all one and that we're all the same people and we're all God's children and we all need to respect each other and care for each, care for one another and get rid of the skate scapegoating thing because all they're doing is blaming somebody else for their own faults. Yeah, their own failures. I mean, it's why, you know, the, the Republican Party became the party of Trump. So, yep. you know, yeah. And so because of that, everything that he was tweeting in real time and blaming everybody, then it it sharply divided our country even more. And so there's going to have to be a lot of healing. But yes, scapegoating is an issue. What's sad is that it's it's they're long haulers, people that even when they move away from the scapegoating situation, if they're in a family structure where they were isolated and targeted their whole lives, even when they move away, there's still manipulation following them across the the globe, wherever they go, there's always a scapegoater. And unfortunately, it's it's not until usually the scapegoater dies that there's some kind of closure. So it's, you know, because narcissism is, is so hard to really unpack. It's a personality dis uh, disorder. And um, yeah, and unless that narcissist knows that he or she is, it's just hard to escape. So there's a lot of long lasting effects. I cannot emphasize it enough for the scapegoat. How do you tell people or help people? Because, see, these are all stories. So when you have a, somebody who's using you as a scapegoat, it's a story that they're telling you. And at one point in time, you believe that story. Um, and right. so you accept, you take it on to yourself that, oh, I guess I'm the scapegoat. I'm, I'm not, you know. How do you, how do you encourage people in the book to get out of that, to get away from being the scapegoat? Mm -hmm. Right. So the premise of my book, it's um, it's a theological approach, but it's also a clinical approach. Uh, and we, we learned something when I was in seminary. It's called pneuma psychosoma. Pneuma is the spirit. 
Psyche is the mind, soma is the body. So it's taking care of those three elements. Um, the pneuma, the spirit is being able to align. It doesn't have to be Christian. It can be, you know, if you're Jewish, if you're Hindu, whatever it is, whatever your religion is, or maybe you don't have a religion, maybe it's just self-awareness, but finding a place to center beyond something that's that's bigger than you, right? That could be meditation, yoga. It could be reading the Bible, the Quran, whatever it is, but center yourself in a place for positive affirmations. Uh, that's So that's like the pneuma. And then the psyche is getting the support through counseling. A lot of times people just need to get therapy. I mean, it's abuse. And that would mean going to someone that you can kind of connect with someone that's not gonna be judgmental, but someone that you can kind of tell your story and your truth. And a lot of times therapies, you know, having multiple protocols and adjunct therapies can help you to even see beyond what you know and maybe kind of shift you to another place so that you can be healthy uh, in your next situation. Um, finally, there's soma, the body, getting your body back aligned with good food, um, you know, exercising and all of that just kind of working those things together and, you know, just believing in yourself. If that means putting post-it notes on your mirror in the bathroom and saying you're worthy, you know, just getting with a group of people that will be able to support you as you walk through this journey. Cause it's something that you don't want to walk along by yourself because it's so hurtful. And so I think if you address in those manners, I think it would work well. You know, you're the first person that i've interviewed and and i do quite a little bit of reading as well and uh you're the first person that's ever used scape scapegoating as as a real thing um and so i th i think that was a message from from the divine that said to use that mm -hmm. term because it is something that makes people stand up and take notice i think i think your book's going to do very very well oh i thank you so much kevin it's it's a it's a labor of love but i just want people to come to a healthy place there's a lot of good things to do on this earth. And some people are just stuck in the past. And it's, it's, it's always the child that was five and six and seven that was going through this cycle of abuse. And then when he or she becomes an adult at 30, they don't know it because it's so nuanced. It's not always overt. And then they're 30 saying, gosh, I, I, I don't have any intimacies. I don't, and not necessarily romantically. I'm talking even having friends, like it's hard for me to trust people. Then it's like, oh yeah, yeah, that's right. My mother and my father always put me down and told me I was nobody when I was five, or I had the over-celebrated sibling that didn't have to do anything right and, and was lauded. And I made 4.0 and was unappreciated. And, you know, it's like they get this epiphany in their older, well, 30s, not old, but I mean, in their more advanced years, more than their childhood. And so a lot of times they've lost out on connections that would be healthy going forward because they don't even know that they're in that cycle. You know, and what's, what's, what's also said about that is that people who don't recognize that, that they, they don't have that epiphany, they're doomed to repeat that to the children Absolutely. that are in their lives. And so it becomes Absolutely. a a seven, seven generational cycle and it's it needs to stop and the, the only way to stop is through awareness right right absolutely because hurt people hurt and wounded people wound unbeknownst to them so to your point i think that that's excellent yeah there has to be some kind of awareness around it 
And I think that this book, if it gets in the hands of a lot of people, I think that there will be conversations at the ground level and people might have um, more of, an, uh, of a compunction to come forward and talk about what they've been through and not worry about what the ramifications are. So I think it's, it's, it's good to have these conversations going forward and um, to a myriad range of people. You know, and even if you take it to one step further, uh, rather than the individual, you take it to the collective consciousness of of the different communities, how some communities of of people predominantly, I would I would venture to guess white people uh, tend to scapegoat other people. And, and right now with Trump, it was it was not only sanctioned, it was um, and approved. It was encouraged. That that uh, yes. people would be would scapegoat other other races, other people, and and it's it's just it was a sick it's a sick thing. And so how do how do you how do you get past that? How do we as as a civilization as a society mm-hmm. because we're all the same, we're all Americans. Uh, how do we how do we get past that scapegoating of one culture versus another? So I think it's, it has to be intentional. You know, when you think about what happened, I mean, the one thing that I said and uh, to a few people, the only good thing about Trump was he told the truth that he's a liar. <laughs> you know, I mean, he <laughs> that's the one thing that we can celebrate. But I think it's intentional. I remember a few years ago, I think it was like around 2018, that the othered groups, those that don't fit, um, you know, straight white men, uh, got together. It was the women's march that happened. It right. was Black Lives Matter. Um, it was the LBGTQIA. All of the different other groups got together and they worked against systemic bigotry. I'm not going to just say racism because it's not just about the hue or shade of someone's skin. It's even bigotry about people identifying it in other genders and other uh, ways in which they love people. And all of those groups got together and worked against those dynamics. And so I think it's about intentionality. It's about having the conversations that you and I are having and being open about it, saying the things without fear of retaliation. Um, will everybody be happy? No, but I think it's something that we, if we just continue to do it, it will be the norm versus something that you know we didn't see happening. So I think it's just about coming together and um, having a, a terminal outcome, seeing what we can do to sort of absolve the hurt that we have sustained in this this last election cycle. We are, I mean, I tell you, I am just broken seeing so many people that have suffered through the policies of Trump. People oh. that have suffered through, I mean, it's, it's horrible. Uh, my own personal experiences as an educator and seeing the the hurt of my students who some of my parents of my students have been deported. Uh, And so, you know, yeah, my kids going back home and seeing their parents not there. So I think, you know, it's going to have to take a concerted effort of every group, every other group to come together and to continue to have a reasoned discourse. It cannot be combative. We have to come to the table of brotherhood and sister. We do. And, and I think that if we were to get together and come up with, okay, why, why are you afraid talking about a particular individual, perhaps what, why are you afraid? What motivates your fear? 
and then work to eliminate what he believes is the problem as far as the fear goes. As an example, uh, there in my in my realm of experience, there are a lot of uh, uh, white people that can that that think that because they're losing their majority and there are more there are more people of color in what i call blended families where you've got you've got a a, a, a white wife or a white husband and a, and a black wife and then you've got uh th- this blended family of kids and they're going going to school and and there are more and more of them how do how do we get uh, those people to realize that it has nothing to do with they don't need to be fearful of that because it has nothing to do with them you know, um, wow, that I just, that it, I don't know. I mean, I, again, I think it's just about, I don't know, maybe there could be workshops, there could be, um, you know, symposiums, there could be more uh, using social, one thing I love about learning through quarantine is that social media has become the media empire. So maybe people that have a platform can, you know, large platforms or, you know, medium platforms, whatever platform that they have that has following, that they can create those dialogues through like Facebook Live, through Instagram Live, through podcasting. But being able to have something that invites everybody and to be able to freely unpack without fearing for their lives, because literally some things that I've even said, nothing that was, you know, scintillating or anything that was disrespectful, but how my life was threatened and um, by someone that responded to a, a comment that I made on, on Trump's page. It was nothing disrespectful, but I mean, we're at a point now that it's so contentious that people are literally threatening people's lives just for the ways in which they feel about particular dynamics of conversation pertaining to bigotry and racism. So I think it's about having a safe space, but using using your platform, whatever that looks like, and inviting people in to come and sit and sit and sit and, and learn to sit. Dr. Carol Dweck, she's a social psychologist out of Stanford University, and she talks about a growth mindset and a fixed mindset. Growth mindset is you're willing to sit in a place of uncomfortability if you can learn from it. And that means hearing the hard truths. Fixed mindset is, you know, I don't want to get in that conversation. It's not my politic. It's not my religious beliefs. I'm going to, you know what I mean? And so we have to leave that imbalance and go more to a growth mindset. It's amazing to me that, you know, I have a, one of my sons has a friend. Have you heard of the Proud Boys? I have, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. And he, my, my son called it a couple of years ago. He, I asked how, how is this individual doing? And he said, well, he's kind of gone off the deep end. And I said, what do you mean? And he's, he, he's joined this organization called the proud boys. And, and he is, uh, he's, he's taken to what they do. And it, it is a, it's a hate filled organization in Canada. It's now been given a, a title of a, of a terrorist group. And, yes. um, uh, and he said that uh, he's he's gone off the deep end. We nobody can nobody can reach him. His parents can't reach him. And and uh, and as, as a matter of fact, he was recent. He was there on January sixth. He oh my the, goodness on January sixth. Wow. 6th. I live in. He lives. So in, did the FBI find him? Uh huh. <laughs> yes, they did. Oh. 
Uh-oh. Yeah, yeah well, <laughs> and, you know, I'll bless his father because his father in June fired him. His father owns a couple mm. of restaurants. And his father said to him that you're not welcome here anymore because you're you are talking about hate and you're talking about um, things that that we don't won't tolerate in our family. And so he was kind of excommunicated from his job and his family. And then the FBI comes knocking at his door because he that you could there were pictures of him all over the internet uh, of entering the Capitol. Mm. He's facing 35 years in prison. Oh my gosh! Lock yeah. it, lock the key, and lock the lock the cage, and turn away the key. That's sad. I mean, what, what, and what's horrible is he has a wife and a seven-year-old child. How and, and see this? Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry, I cut you across. Well, you know, I think that's the unhealthy and sick part about this is that people are sacrificing what's most important for a man that only cares about himself. That is the irony. It's it's yeah, it is yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just it, it it floors me that seventy two million people voted for that guy uh, the second time around because it it's just I I don't understand it I have, <laughs> I you you're <laughs> you're a minister right yes I am yes well you know in your con did, did you have a congregation right now or are you are you are you are you preaching every Sunday uh not well now that the church is closed no but I do That's preach. Good point. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I asked somebody, I said, okay, um, uh, and, and this, this was somebody who, uh, okay, mom, a fundamentalist Christian person. She's a 90-year-old lady, and, and she's a nice lady. But uh, I was talking with her, and and, uh, and she is a va avid, I mean, avid Trump supporter. And he said, mom, how do you feel about him being married three times paying off at least two mistresses that we know of and made a statement that uh, grabbing women by their private parts was perfectly okay um, and was something that how can you justify that behavior and continue mm -hmm. to support that individual? And she really didn't have a very good answer other than, oh, that's in the past and he's changed. I don't know. She doesn't know yeah. that. <laughs> I don't know. So, it's, yeah. It's, so I, it's, I think that they're unrelenting. They're unrelenting because they are fixed on this personality versus what he is saying. He's, you know, most dictators are very charismatic. I hate to say this, and I don't. I, and he's evil, but Hitler was very charismatic. And yep. if you were to <laughs> to put, you know, a split screen, they're both matched in the way that they conveyed their hate to people. Yeah. Yeah, they and and again, you want to talk talk about scapegoating. Uh, Hitler uh, scapegoated an entire civilization of people, which was the Jewish people. Um, yes, he blamed them yeah. for World War One. He blamed them for losing World War One. He blamed them for the armistice. He blamed them for not having a military. He blamed them for everything. And and he had people who thought that they were righteous that were living that and believing that because. The, in their in their heart of hearts, they wanted to believe that anyway, and uh, oh, and absolutely, you know. And so, when you have white supremacists and you have people that are not interested in working together with other people for the betterment of everybody, um, I have very little use for those kind of folks. So I hope I hope that you have a bigger heart than I do, because <laughs> I. Just, <laughs> 
Yeah, it's it's the grace of God. And, you know, when God took the cross, it didn't take him by surprise that he'd be dying even for Donald Trump and Hitler. So, you know, if he can give the grace, we have to give it. And that's I think that is the distinction of what a Christian is from other religion is that we always have to show grace and mercy. It's not easy. Uh, Jesus himself had a hard time. Uh, you know, just even accepting the will of the Father when he took the cross, but he knew he had to take it. But at the cross, he said, let this cup pass me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will. And I think sometimes we have to have that nevertheless faith that no matter how people act, we have to show them love. Even even so, I'm sure as he was headed to the cross, thinking about about all the people that, that like the Hitler like people and stuff and all the all the real not not very nice people, it had to irritate him a little bit. You think? Oh, I, I'm sure. Oh yeah. Remember, Jesus is fully God and fully man, so the humanity kicked in. Of course, I'm sure he wasn't running there to the cross like yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know, I'm here to die for Hitler. You know, again, it's the duality, but his divinity always led the way. And, and that's why Jesus, well, not to be preachy, but that's why he's just a rock star in my world, because he just always shows love in the midst of hate. Um, and I just think we have to use, whether it be him or Gandhi, whoever it is, we have to show love in the midst of all of the vitriol that's being spewed around this country. If I, I'm a firm believer that if we can work together to understand that we are all the same, we come from the same creator, we are Absolutely. born the same way, uh, we all eat, we all poop, we all do all these things that, that everybody else does, so we are the same and I can't, I, I've never understood why um, the color of somebody's skin should make a difference, but for some people it does. And it's, it's, it's a, it's a darn shame that, that, yes. and I'm hopeful that over time programs like this and talking with people like you can educate people that, that we're not, we're not different. We're the same. No, we're not. No, we're not. I mean, I always think about like, if I'm drowning, in, in the middle of the ocean, am I going to look for a Democrat to save me? You know what I mean? <laughs> Wait, you're Republican. Let me try. No, I'm going to look for someone that has some skills to yank me out of those riptides. Right. And I think right now we're drowning in all of the things that are happening in this world, poverty, inequities in education, healthcare, all of the things, you know, now COVID-19 has exacerbated it. We can't look for someone that looks like us to help us. We have to unify to break the tides and the chains of injustices and, and pandemics and all the things that are wrecking everybody in humanity, not just white, black, brown, yellow, but everybody. We have to tether together and work together to eradicate. Absolutely. And if you were where I sit, which is I do these podcasts and I talk to some highly entertaining some highly educated people like yourself who've taken it upon themselves to write a book or or to do other another act of service because i consider what you do an act of service and uh and i find out more and more it's like yesterday i was doing an a uh, podcast and with somebody who was uh an advocate to get rid of human human trafficking and he told me fifty thousand people 50,000 people a year are human trafficked into the United States of America. Oh. 
That is horrible. I, I mean, I don't even know how that happens. Like, I mean, how do you fly in people to be trafficked? Or they, they come in yeah. with ships. They come in boats. They come uh, from from different border. Most of them come from Asia. I, I would think, oh. and most of them are sold in the sex trade. And uh, oh my goodness, which which means that there are two things wrong. There are people that are willing to to engage in that activity in the sex trade because if there was no demand, there would be no need for those people to be here, and, uh, and right. there'd, be, there'd right. be no money in it. So. And it's for those folks and then the people that are, are dragging these poor people in into either uh, sweatshop conditions or the sex trade and stuff. So I'm I'm becoming <laughs> doing this podcast is making me a much bigger advocate for humanity and for what we need to do to fix stuff. And uh, your book, which, by the way, say the title of your book again. Yes, the title of my book is Stop Scapegoat No More. That's really cool. That, yeah. <laughs> I, it was it was like a, t a working title, and I was going to think of something else, but I thought, you know, let it just be succinct. No, and 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 the fact of the matter is, is like I said, I haven't really heard anybody use the term scapegoating uh, as a real uh, term for abuse. But it is. It's yes. it's it's another way of that people, and and it's particularly this insidious, and and because it's kind of under the current um, when somebody yes. does. Like yes, your mom. No, absolutely. Yeah. It's 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 so hidden, and a lot of people don't realize it until decades later when they end up in therapy or they're not able to keep a job. It's because there's always this sort of distrust that people have that are in scapegoating because they have been bombarded with not fitting in almost like a black sheep so to speak and being castigated as an outlier so they don't know who they can trust so they're they're not stable in every part of their lives and that's i think when they start having these uh imaginings of something that happened earlier on and they're like wow this is what happened and this is why i can't remain employed why i'm not married or why i don't have a friend you know that kind of thing or i've been married three or four times <laughs> or, <can't>, right <laughs> exactly they seem to get this thing correct and uh, they keep it right keep, you know i and i'm just curious to know is one of, in in your research um is one of the dysfunctions that we end up with that um even though this person scapegoated us we endeavored and are trying as best we can to please them to overcome that and and that can follow us our entire lives trying to please that person yes ab absolutely there are a lot of cases it's it's like that because um their soul has just been so driven to a place of self-hate that the only way they feel that they can get any kind of this is this is kind of like the irony of it that the person they're seeking approval from is the one that is tearing them apart and they somehow think that that person's going to change and that if they please them and if they do the right thing and if they if they uh, manifest the vision of the of the scapegoater that okay finally I'm where they need me to be and they'll accept me and unfortunately that never happens because then what will the scapegoater do he or she will move the goal line or the finish line okay now you got to do this so it's there's 
this insatiable draw for the scapegoater to bring the manipulated, you know, through manipulation to bring that scapegoat in and the scapegoater never really, or the scapegoat, I'm sorry, never really realizes that no matter how much they do to please the scapegoat, it will net scapegoater will never be enough. That's gotta be a very painful process as you get older. Yes, absolutely. Especially when that person is still alive and still in your life. Um, I know, I th- I think I was reading in your book that, that one of the things you advocate is healthy relationships. And if there's somebody yes. who is a, is a uh, scapegoater that uh, to eliminate them from your life. Is that, is that true? Yes, I, I did say that. And the reason for that is, and it's hard because it's, it's interesting because Almost like I would say this way that, and I know this personally because I um, unfortunately was in a sort of an unhealthy situation with uh, an intimate partner. Uh, And as much as I let that person go, it was hard for me to not check on social media to see what that person was up to, do drive-bys around the house, right? Because there's something that's very sick in being tied to that person. It's like, they're your supplier. They're your drug supplier, even though you're addicted. And you're trying to break the addiction. It's just hard. It's it's kind of this back and forth dance. But ultimately, I got to the place that I realized if I'm going to sit in my pain, at least I'm not going to have someone pulling the strings because I got tired of doing repetitious things that were self-destructive. And so, and then that's when it's important to reach out to other people and say, I can't, I can't walk this out by myself. So I think it just has to be a click and a delete. I mean, literally, if that means taking them out of your phone, taking them out of your social media, you know, in extreme cases, maybe even moving to another side of town and not letting that person know where you are, whatever it takes to escape. That's what the person needs to do, but definitely check into therapy. It shouldn't be about cutting out a, a relationship and isolating because there's no lone rangers in this abuse. There has to be someone that can walk aside you in this journey. And, and to kind of give you a better perspective of who you really are, that you're not, absolutely you're not who they said you were. That's That's the biggest thing right. that I, that, that I, that I have to keep telling people is when they say that bad things about themselves or they have a negative image about themselves or they lack self-esteem, it's like, listen, you aren't who they said you were. You get to be who you choose to be. Exactly. It's yeah. It's, it's deconstructing the voices in your head that you were told that you were no good your whole life. And I mean, a lot of scapegoats, they haven't been praised. They've just been told what they did that was wrong but never told what they did that was right. And there's support groups for that, just like there's support groups for people that are recovering from drug addiction and alcohol addiction, and they have, you know, uh, AA and Drug drug Users Anonymous. They also have uh, groups for people that are abused. So I would say check into whatever abuse group works for you, whatever, you know, whatever that looks like. If you want a Christian based one, that's fine. Or if you want one through a 503C organization, that's fine. But walk with people. Don't walk by yourself during this process. Does um, in your research, does scapegoating or being scapegoated also uh, lead to um, self-abuse and up to including suicide? 
Yes, there's self-mutilation. A lot of, especially it's found in, in kids that obviously don't have language around what they're going through. A lot of times they cut, cutting themselves. Um, bulimia, anorexia, anywhere that they can get out whatever it is that has impacted them from a natural growing, you know, growing process. Yeah, mutilation is one of the top tier uh, self-abuse uh, things that are out there. Yes. I've never understood that. Why somebody would do that. I, I don't have the guts to take a knife and cut myself. I'm afraid that it's like, that's going to hurt, but there are, there are people that are in such pain that, that right. have their, their mechanism for acting out to try and alleviate the pain in it. Right. Right. You know, I, I understand it. I can't even take a vaccination shot without crying. So I, <laughs> So I couldn't imagine. And I mean, I, I don't make light of it, but yeah, some people, they just have to direct it, you know, to something and maybe, and maybe it's a self-hate. Maybe they're saying I'm not worth it. So I'll cut myself and, and, and let me just bleed and let me see my own blood to, you know, I don't know what it is. I never understood, but yeah, there's a lot of, then, then, then there's, you know, um, making toxic decisions, like going from a narcissist mother to going to a narcissist boyfriend or girlfriend or a narcissist friend, making poor choices as a result. So how yeah. do you, how do you encourage people to, to, I, I know therapy helps and, uh, but people need to recognize that that's, that there's, it's, it's, it's like the woman that, uh, that uh, keeps dating a different man in the same suit. Or, or somebody, you know, that acts the same way towards you and belittles you and doesn't give you your due and doesn't treat you equally. And they keep going back. They keep going back. Well, what, how, how, do you, how do you encourage people to stop that? Stop it. <laughs> stop going back. I, well, you know, I, and I, this is going to sound a little mean, but I know that sometimes when I looked at different interventions, for people that were struggling with alcohol, they would say, let them line their vomit. I would say the same thing. They may have to just reap the outcome. If they, you know, if they're being told, you know, I'm an outsider looking at it and I care about you and this is what I'm seeing and people are making the overtures to help this individual and they're still making these choices, they just have to receive the outcome until they themselves look in the mirror and say, I am not deserving of what I'm being treated. So I think it's that, you know, laying in the vomit motif, they just have to feel it. You know, if you can't see, you can feel. And, and it's a, it's a sad part of life, but it is, it is part of life that we are here in my humble opinion to grow and to experience and to, and to become better than we were. And that includes understanding what's been going on with us and what, negativity is around us and try and get rid of that and then surround yourself with positive people like you. Ah, thank you. But you know, too, I, 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 and there are, there are extreme cases. Like, you know, if you see somebody obviously in abuse, that's, you know, taking them down, that they're not functioning, you can run an intervention. And maybe if you have to call law enforcement, so I don't want to be callous. And then of course, if it's a kid, you would call child protective services. But I mean, if someone's life isn't in danger and they're making these concurrent choices, I think they just have to get to a point that they no longer themselves. Because sometimes it's just a revelation that 
people get where they realize, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? Because what we don't want to do is browbeat someone to the point that then they cut us out because they're not ready to go to that, that space of truth. Right. Right. So it's, it's, it's really difficult. Yeah. By the way, we're talking with Gina Dobson, and she's written the book. It's brand new out. It's hot, 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 hot. It's out in January, and, and it's called Stop Scapegoat No More. Stop Scapegoat No More. That's, I can't say that three times fast, but that's, that's, <laughs> a, that's a great title. And uh, um, if you want, do you have, a, you have a website that people want to go and go to there, right? Or do you have a website? Yeah, so, so abso- absolutely. Um, well, if you want to purchase a book, it's on all book platforms, but chiefly, if you want to get the print, it's at Amazon. And then if you want to get an ebook, it's at Barnes and Noble, which pairs with a company called Nook. Also, Scribe. And then you can also find me at Gina Dobson at GoDaddy.com. GoDaddy. Gina Dobson, <laughs> which, which is really good. It's, it's been a pleasure talking with you today, my dear. And I wish you, oh, and wow. I know the book is going to do fabulously well. It's going to do really Thank well. Thank you so much. I enjoy talking to you. And I got to say that I just love all of the, um, just your selflessness and taking time to bring people on to talk about ameliorating all of the hate and all of the division and all of the things that, that really that divide us and and just keeps us on the margins of society. And for you using even your privilege as it, and I don't mind you, I hope you don't mind me saying this as a white male to come into my community and to ally. I really appreciate that. I appreciate you. I appreciate you saying that, but I will tell you that, uh, um, so something happened to me years ago. I was doing a radio show on uh, KKNW 1150 AM, and I was doing two hours a day, five days a week. And uh, it was a smaller station. I had no idea if anybody was even listening. And uh, and I it was called Positive Talk. We did very much the same thing as as I'm doing with this podcast. And um, there came a day when I had to. Um, I had to stop doing the show because I couldn't afford it anymore. It was costing me like $2,000 a week to do. And, uh, but it was really was my, my mission cost me my marriage, cost me my house and a whole bunch of other stuff. But that was, that's, that was perfectly okay. But on the last day when I had to terminate the show, um, a gal called and I, I announced it and and during the course of the show a gal called and she was from Bainbridge Island which is an island just over here uh, on the other side of the uh, Puget Sound and she said I can't believe that you're going to go off the air and I explained why and, and so forth and she said well I want you to know that um, I'm an Alzheimer's caregiver and oh, wow. we, we listen to your show every day because you are the oh. only one that can communicate with her she she loves the way you laugh. She loves the show. She listens all the time. I had no earthly idea that I had, and I've never met them, and she's probably passed now because it was a while mm. ago. But to have an impact on another human being, it's always changed. It changed me, uh, and I, that's what I want to do. I want to have a positive impact. I don't want to make money from this. I don't. Uh, I want it to be successful. I want people to come here and to listen to people like you who are wow. in, 
in it to help other people get through this thing that we call life that can be so negative and so divisive at times. And that's, that's yes. why, I, that's why I do this. And that's why I know you do it, which is why I support you a hundred percent. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right. <laughs> Thank now you for okay. having me. I enjoy myself. <laughs> oh, good. I'm glad. Now getting off my soapbox. I always like to ask the guest of honor, which you are today to sum up and give us one nugget of information or advice that you would give us before we wrap up the podcast. I would take, uh, you know, I would take it from the movie, the help with Viola Davis that was nominated. And I believe she won supporting actor, best supporting actor. And she said to a young black girl, she said in her Southern broken voice, she said, you as wise you is smart and you is important. And that's what I'm saying to you. You're wise, you're smart, you're important. Never let anybody minimize you to bring equity to them. You are everything. Gina Dobson is her name and she is an extraordinary human being. She's a minister, she's an author. She's got a brand new book out and uh, give us the title of the book one more time. Stop scapegoat no more. Oh, that's it's beautiful. And I would like to thank you again for being on the podcast and you're welcome to come back anytime. You have to come back and give us an update as to how the sales are going and when the second book is coming out because you got more in you, girl. Oh, wow. I'm ready. I'm ready. Let's do part two. Let's do it, Kevin. I'm ready. Thank you. <laughs> thank, thank you so much for being on the podcast. And, and we've had some listeners today and you actually got a heart. Uh, which is which is really cool. So, so I'm um, again go to go to Amazon and get the book. And Gina Dobson is the author, and uh, and that that's just wonderful. So if you'll stay on the line with me, I've got to close out the podcast, and I'll be right back. So don't go away. Okay. Thanks, everybody. Hey, and thanks for listening to this episode all the way to the end. Hey, pretty cool. Hey, don't forget to follow us so you can receive regular updates and new posts. And remember, take care of each other because each other's all we've got. See you next time on My Independence Report.